Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Well, Bobby, this is our 90th radio broadcast on a, on a weekend. I mean, exciting, right? Yeah, yeah. Who knew? I mean, who knew? And... And we're back at another Christmas Hanukkah season. Mm-hmm. And so welcome to the Chosen People radio program. So glad you're with us. And we're going to be discussing the Christmas story once again, uh, trying to give the Jewish background so you can understand more about the wonderful Jewish heritage you have if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. You've been grafted in to the rich root of the olive tree, Romans chapter 11. And we all share this incredible relationship with Jesus the Messiah. We're going to learn more about his birth today, and we're going to basically see the gospel story, the birth of Jesus through Jewish eyes. Mm. So with me is Bobby Walter, our New York Regional Director, and so we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1 right now, and you can, if you have your Bibles in front of you, please open them up. And we're going to look at the encounter between uh, God and the angel of the Lord actually and one of my favorite people in the New Testament, Zacharias. So let me read from verse 11, and then, Bobby, I'm going to throw it out to you to give us some background on this passage. Okay. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. So he was a priest. This was taking place in the temple. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you'll give him the name Yochanan, uh, John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord. He'll drink no wine or liquor. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit while in his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. Verse 17, then we turn it over to you, Bobby, for the background. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people for the Lord. So this is the uh, angel's announcement to Zechariah that Elizabeth would have a very unique son as well. Not quite the same as Jesus, but a very unique son. And this will be Yohanan Hamatbil, we say in Hebrew, uh, John the Immerser or John the Baptizer. But the angel wasn't pulling this from thin air. He's reaching back into the prophetic scriptures, in fact, into the minor prophets, into the book of Malachi, mm. which is quoted here to tell Zechariah that there is a, an expectation hope of a forerunner. Mm-hmm. And uh, so tell us a little bit about this prophecy in Malachi and how it was fulfilled in John the Baptist. Yeah. Baptizer. Sure, sure. So uh, in the prophet Malachi, and, and I think one thing also to note, Mitch, is that when we see the New Testament authors quote the Old Testament, usually it's just one passage or it could be an allusion to a passage or an event that takes place in the Old Testament. Right. But what's intended oftentimes is for our minds to go back to the full message or the broader context uh, of that Old Testament passage. And that's what we have going on here. So in Luke's quote from Malachi, 
we're meant to remember like the broader context of what's going on in Malachi. And when we look in Malachi 3, beginning in verse 1, we get, like you just said, this prophecy concerning a forerunner who's going to come. Okay, so Malachi 3, verse 1. Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. All right, so this messenger is going to be sent by the Lord, and he's going to clear the way. He's going to prepare the way. And of course, when we come to the New Testament, we see John the Baptist, his birth, his conception, and his ministry especially. What is he doing? He's preparing the way for the Lord. And what I love from Matthew, you know, forgive me for going back to Matthew, but in Matthew chapter 3, when John the Baptist is first introduced, the cry of his ministry is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Clearing the way for the Lord, right? Because the next chapter in chapter four, in Matthew four, verse 17, when Jesus sort of takes the reins from John and begins his messianic ministry, he begins it with the exact same words, word for word uh, with what John was saying. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so I'm looking at... um looking at chapter one, which is a very long chapter, in case you didn't know. I'm looking at verse 30. The angel's now speaking to Mary. And he says, don't be afraid, Mary or Miriam, for you found favor with God. And now the angel's going to announce to Mary again what exactly is happening in her womb, which I'm sure we know she treasured the information in her heart, but I have to believe she was shocked a little bit, too, mm-hmm. surprised. So verse 31, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Yeshua. He will be great, will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. I mean, can you imagine a mother hearing all yeah, this? Yeah. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Now, there's got to be an Old Testament background to a statement like that. I mean, David is brought into the picture, and she is a descendant of David. Uh, So, what's the angel referring to? It seems to me like the angel read the Old Testament. Yeah, oh, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, it seems like he knew the Bible. (laughs) So, what's what's he talking about here? Yeah, yeah. Well, this statement is clearly just saturated with messianic prophecy, Mm -hmm. and specifically the Davidic covenant. So this covenant promise that God makes to King David, and you'll just hear the connections with what this angel said to Mary concerning Jesus, and it'll honestly fill in some of the the meat here of what Jesus came to do and who he is. All right, so 2 Samuel 7 verse 12, when your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Mm. So right away, we see these connections to what this angel is announcing to Mary concerning this child that is in her womb, uh, this Jesus. He's coming to uh, fulfill this. He is this descendant of David who God is raising up to establish his eternal throne forever. And one other thing I love about how 2 Samuel describes this uh, descendant of David 2 Samuel 7, verse 14, it says, I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. So it describes the father-son relationship between God the Father and this descendant of David, Jesus. One other thing I I, I think we can add about this, when we think about the kingdom and when the, the New Testament uses the kingdom, it's not just 
picking this word out of thin air and creating this new idea of the kingdom of God. No, it's based on Old Testament prophecies and Old Testament expectations. Mm. What did the Jewish audience of Luke's gospel hear when they heard the word kingdom? Right. They heard kingdom in its Old Testament context. They would have certainly not a Roman kingdom. Exactly. You know, they, they were attenuated to their own history and, and, and the scriptures. Right. So, Mitch, why don't you share, what are some of the characteristics of this kingdom as described in the Old Testament? When we talk about the kingdom, we have to think about it as what was there and then what was to come because the Old Testament is filled with material and information about the kingdom to come. And I think when the Jewish people thought about Messiah and they thought about the coming kingdom, they thought about the knowledge of the Lord filling the earth as the waters fill the sea. They thought about the righteous Messiah sitting on the throne. They thought about peace in the land. They thought about beating weapons of war into plowshares. They thought about peace. They thought about all these wonderful things. And of course, everything was focused in the capital of the kingdom. And the capital of the kingdom was Jerusalem. And that's where this greater son of David would eventually reign uh, forever. And so that's what I believe Jewish people would have been thinking about when they thought about the kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's other passages in the Old Testament that describe the nature of this king who would rule on the throne in the kingdom. Mm. And I think probably one of the best examples of this is in Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. And this is such a good passage to read, especially at this time of year, uh, during Christmas. It says, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us, mm. and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Wow. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. Well, I mean, talk about a fulfillment of a prophecy. You know, and uh, I mean, everything is spelled out right there. Hey, mm -hmm. what, what, what do those Hebrew names mean in verse 6? These are very powerful words in the Hebrew. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. It describes the nature of the Messiah, the nature of Jesus. And he's not just a mere man. I mean, clearly, he is described as being the mighty God and eternal father. This is deity being attributed to this king. And when you're talking to Jewish people about Jesus, one of the things that a Jewish person will usually respond and say, I can't believe that God would become a man. So this is the Christmas confrontation all year mm -hmm. when you're sharing the gospel with Jewish people. Mm -hmm. But when you understand the Jewish background and you understand what the scriptures say, then you can be very sympathetic and loving and sensitive towards your Jewish friend, but you need to painstakingly, slowly, and gently explain that, wait a minute, this is not something that Christianity invented. Actually, the whole idea of God becoming a man was God's idea in the Old Testament scriptures. Yes. It, was, it was something that Isaiah spelled out right. clearly, that the rightful king on the throne of David would have to be God in the flesh. Right. Right. The, the deity of Jesus is unavoidable in Isaiah 9-6. Yeah. I know we have to wrap up our time. There's so much more to say. But I'm just looking uh, in uh, chapter 2 of the Gospel of Luke. There's so much, so much here uh, that gives you an Old Testament background to it. 
verse 21, when the eight days had passed before his circumcision, of course, you know, this is, I'm, I'm going to have a grandson and he will be circumcised mm-hmm. on the eighth day. Yeah. I mean, God said that that's what Jews are supposed to do according to the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 17. And so we do it. And so that again is the background. The offerings are the background as well. But one of the things that is also interesting uh, to me is uh, the encounter with Simeon. Yeah. And, and, and Anna as well. And like Anna. these two witnesses that uh, encounter the baby Jesus and his parents in the temple. Absolutely. And speaking of the prophecy you just mentioned, there's actually a little bit beforehand. So just reading that um, there was a man, verse 25, in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Mm-hmm. He was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation or the hope of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It was revealed to him by the Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Mm. And he came in the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought the child in to carry out the custom of the law, to dedicate the child. Then he took him into his arms, blessed him, and he said, now, Lord, you're releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. So here it is. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Mm which you've prepared in the presence of all people, verse 32 is really critical. Yes. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So there's no replacement of anybody in the plan of God. Actually, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah for all people. And this goes back to part of Isaiah chapter 9 also, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. That he's a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Right, right. And so we understand that well, one thing I understand is that Christmas is a Jewish holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's face it. Uh, we've gone through all the, the backgrounds, but it's a Jewish holiday uh, for all. The Jewish Messiah was born in fulfillment of prophecy. He was a light to the nations. A light had risen in the Galilee. He was that light. Mm. He's the light of the world. He's the one who takes away our sin. He rose from the dead in power. He conquered death so that we could have the gift of everlasting life. The child is a gift, but also what the child did was a gift also. He has become the light of men. He's become our life. And I hope that you all have a very Merry Christmas and that you will uh, be enriched by some of this teaching that we've been able to share very briefly with you about the Jewish backgrounds of Christmas. And let me tell you, there's a lot more to come. The, The New Testament is filled with Jewish backgrounds because it's a book that was written primarily by Jewish people for all people. So God bless you again and shalom and Merry Christmas. And right now we've got a treat for you. We're actually going to hear some music from a few of our favorite artists as we celebrate the birth of the Messiah.
And he made a living way With a trumpet blast He will come again The lion of the tribe of Judah Jerusalem will sing from above And listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today for this Christmas weekend edition. Here at Chosen People Ministries, we've got a passion to train and engage local churches for Jewish evangelism. And if you or the leadership team at your church would like to learn more about the presentations that we offer, please visit us online at chosenpeople.com radio. That's right, Bobby. We're continually developing tools to help equip local churches to practically share Jesus with Jewish people in their communities. We even have a free gift for anyone who reaches out just to say hi. It's our booklet entitled Christmas Through Jewish Eyes, and it's really a reflection of the season. Jesus is God's gift to humanity and a reminder to us all that God keeps his promises. So we'll send you the booklet free of charge when you connect with us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Or by calling us at 888-293-7482. That's 888-2-YESHUA, the Hebrew name for Jesus. And that's all the time that we have for today. And from the entire team here at Chosen People Ministries, we'd like to wish you a very Merry Christmas, and we look forward to being with you next week. Now here's Misha Getz and Mitch once again to close out today's special Christmas program with the ironic benediction. Yisadonai. <laughs>
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem shall Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.